Amen. A lot of us, I know a lot of us were singing that song. We had our hand in our pocket with the fingers crossed. I surrender all, Lord. All kidding aside, that's a, that's a very convicting song, knowing that we're living in a world where the world won't let us surrender all. They do everything they can. The devil and the world does everything they can to keep us from surrendering all. But I'm, te- I'm here to tell you that in my life, when I've surrendered all to Jesus Christ, that's the best moments of my life. And I've, I've, I've got a little bit of gray in my beard to be able to say that and mean it with all my heart. That the times I've surrendered all to Jesus Christ, those have been the best, the sweetest, the most joyful moments in my life. All right, let's look at Revelation chapter 19. I didn't get a lot of amens on that, and I didn't think I would because that's, a, that's some tough stuff there. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. We're going to look at the return of the king this morning. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is definitely coming back. The world don't mind, uh, they sure don't mind celebrating Jesus as a little baby in a, in a manger, Christmas time. Even the atheists, they're, they're okay with that because that baby's in a manger. That baby can't tell them what to do. But they sure don't like the idea that that baby grew up, it went and it died on the cross for their sins, it went into a grave in a tomb, and it came out the third day. They don't like that Jesus. And they sure don't like the idea that there's a Jesus that's come, that went up to heaven. And that same Jesus over and over again to his disciples says, I'm coming again, be watching. I'm coming in, be watching. If there's one thing the church has fell down in these latter times, in the end times, as we've looked through the scriptures, you see that all the signs point to his return. But do any Christians talk about his return? Very few. Very few, very few pastors. I don't do enough of it. I don't do enough preaching of it. But Jesus Christ is coming back. Are you ready? I know I was out there in Stephenville eating at uh, old Captain D's. I know that's a sin or whatever, but I was eating at Captain D's. It's like a, a, it's like a rich man's uh, Long John Silver's, I guess. But I, went, I was walking into Captain and I'll never forget, I was walking into, about to walk into Captain D's, and this guy walks out the door, and he looks at me, and he goes, Jesus is coming back, and he keeps on walking. I look, amen, amen. He is coming back. And we're going to be in Revelation chapter 19, verse Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name, name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I'm praying, Lord, that you'll come back quickly. Lord, we've been watching for you. We're waiting for you, Lord God. We've been trying to hold down the fort, and we're keeping the, holding the gap here at Indian Gap, Lord God. We're trying to uh, be faithful to you, Lord. But, Lord, we'd love to just go on home to heaven, Lord. We're waiting for you to come back and take us out of this whole world, Lord. And, Father, I pray you be with us as we open up your word, Lord. Make this stuff real to us. 
make this stuff real to us, Lord God. I pray your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth this morning. And Lord, I pray, Father, as we go through the rest of these services, Lord, as we, uh, as we finish it off, Lord, that if there's anybody that's not saved, that they'll come on down and get saved. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. Now, I want to show you, I want to show you kind of a rundown of what's been going on because I've been preaching through the book of Revelation for weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months and months. And we started in, the, we started in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, and I've read every verse. I've tried to preach out of every chapter. I've read every verse, every word out of every verse. And we got to, now we're at Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, and we're at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I think it's a good time to kind of do a, re, a rehearsal, re, a recourse of what we've done and where we've been and what's been going on. So when you look at the book of Revelation, there's four accounts of the first coming of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are, there's four separate accounts of the first coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ. So when you get to the book of Revelation, you're going to see four accounts of the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you're going to have the seven seals. You're going to find that in chapters 4 through 8. So remember when we studied the book of Revelation, start out in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus, John was on the Isle of Patmos, and there was Jesus showing up to John as he's in prison. And Jesus shows up to John, and, John, and tell, Jesus tells John, write this letter to, the, to these seven churches. And Jesus shows up, and he has a short sword coming out of his mouth, like we just read there. And I'm going to explain all that to the best of my ability. And he has a sword come out of his mouth. His, his feet are brass. He's, he's glowing, and there's candlesticks representing the churches. He goes, write these so. Chapters 1 through 3 is John writing what Jesus told him to the seven churches. And as we studied that out, what did we find out? We found out that those three chapters and those seven uh, churches represent church history. They line up real good with church history, how church history happened. And at the last church that he writes to, the Laodicean church, that's a church of an apostasy. They think they're rich, but they're poor. They're naked. And Jesus Christ says, I, I, you're lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth, I just want to throw you up. That's this church. That's every church in America, that's every church all around the world, just lukewarm. That's how he describes the end. And then in Revelation chapter 4, John is raptured out. He's called out, and when he's called out in Revelation chapter 4, he's called, he's seated through the throne of God, and when he's called out to the throne of God, there's the throne of God, there's the cherubims, they're around God, and what are they hollering all night long, day and night? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then as John sees that revelation, sees all the 12 elders and the 24 elders, with the, and they take their crowns and they throw them at the throne of God, there's a seven-sealed book that's presented in heaven. The seven-sealed book, John says, he started weeping because no man was found in earth or under earth that could open up that seven-sealed book. And as John looked, out of the throne of God, out of the throne of God appeared a lamb as if it had been slain from the foundation of the world. That was Jesus Christ. And this Jesus Christ, this lamb that had been slain, walks out and he was found to be worthy to take that seven-sealed book. And that seven-sealed book was took by Jesus Christ. And John says, as I seen, and that the cherubim said, John, behold what's going to happen. And as John is writing, he says, sees Jesus Christ take this seven-sealed book. He opens up the first seal, and here comes the first horseman. He opens up the second seal, here comes the second horseman of war, the first horseman of famine, of war. Opens up the third seal, the third seal of death. He sees death riding on a horse. And then he opens up the fourth seal, and he sees the... Antichrist riding on a horse. And as he keeps opening up this seal, you're seeing this stuff start happening on the earth. 
that was Revelation chapter 4 all the way through Revelation chapter 8. That's the first account of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's told through seals. The second one was told through trumpets. And that was chapter 8 through 11 as we, as we studied that together. Chapters 8 through 11, the seven trumpets are blown. As seven angels come with seven trumpets. And as they blow, one-third of the grasses burn up. They blow again. One-third of the sea is turned to blood. Are you getting the picture here? Earth turns into a living hell. As everything is burned up, one-third of the sun is darkened out. One-third one of, one of the grass, the trees are burned up. All of this happens during the seven trumpets as the seven trumpets are blown. As the seven trumpets are blown. And in Revelation chapter 9, the, the, angel, the, the angel descends from heaven and comes out. and he has a, This angel has a key to the bottomless pit. And the Bible says he opens up this bottomless pit and these locusts with long wild hair, these demon-type locusts come out and they start stinging everybody on the earth. And as we study that together, what did we find out? As we study that together, it sounds a whole lot like a helicopter, like an attack helicopter that's, uh, uh, that has, uh, has this uh, nerve gas in it. There's all this inferences to what John's looking at and how he's trying to describe to us 2,000 years ago. And as John is reading this, it says that the Euphrates River is dried up. Now we know in modern day technology that Turkey has created a dam and Euphrates, as I'm speaking to you right now, is starting to dry up. And the Bible says that Euphrates River is going to be dried up. Why? Because there's an army, a 200 million man army that's going to come from the east to attack Jerusalem at the Battle of Armageddon. That's in Revelation chapter 9. Y'all remember that? And we, as we studied that 200 million man army, there's only one nation that can, can get together an army of 200 million men. That nation is called China. You're starting to get a little bit nervous in your belly. Russia and China have been playing war games together since 2004. They've been cahoots together since 2004, getting ready. 200 million man army. When John wrote the book of Revelation, there was not a 200 million man army in the whole world. This is prophecy. We're seeing take place before our very eyes. And as we studied through the book of Revelation and the seven trumpets, then the, at the very end, there were two prophets that showed up. One was Moses and one was Elijah. They preached out in the streets and they preached that God was coming back, that they needed to repent, and the Antichrist was able to kill them at the end. And their bodies laid in Jerusalem, the Bible says, and the whole world watched them. Now, 2,000 years ago, how could the whole world watch somebody laying in the street in Jerusalem? It wasn't possible. With modern-day technology, with everybody's phones that's in, your, that's in your back pocket right now, you can literally pick up something and see a video that's being recorded over in Jerusalem right now live. Amen? It's amazing. And it says the whole world watched them as their bodies lay in the street for three and a half days. And then after three and a half days, they were partying, they were sending each other gifts, and they were so happy that these prophets that were causing so much trouble were laying dead in the streets. And after three and a half days, they said there's a voice from heaven that said, Come up hither. And it says those dead bodies were laying in the streets and they started rising. It said great fear fell upon everybody as Moses and Elijah shot up into heaven. And we started studying four, we started studying the third account, the seven personages, starting in chapter 12. And it said there was war that broke out in heaven. Michael the archangel and the devil and his angels were fighting Michael and his angels. And the Bible says that Michael and his angels defeated the devil and kicked them out of heaven in chapter 12. And the devil came down from outer space knowing his time was short. 
And it says that as the devil came down, the angel says, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. Because the devil knows he has a short time. And he's fiercely angry. As he came down, the devil said, the Bible says, as that, as that dragon came down, he chased Israel and chased Israel out into the wilderness, and God protected Israel. And we studied that together, and we found out that land was probably going to be called Petra. That was chapter 12. Chapter 13, the Bible says there's a beast rises up out of the sea, and we studied that together, and we studied and found out that beast is what we know as the Antichrist. And that beast rises up out of the sea, and that beast starts controlling the world. That beast controls the world through politics and policy, the Bible says in Daniel. And as he's controlling the world, trying to control the world, it says he's assassinated. He takes a head wound, a sword hits him, and blocks out his right eye and shrivels up his arm. And he's from there on called the idle shepherd. And it says that when he takes that head wound that he dies, and the Bible says he's resurrected. And as the Antichrist is resurrected, then everything starts breaking loose. And he says, worship me or die. I'm God. As the Antichrist is resurrected. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, at that time, there's a false prophet that rises up. He's a religious leader. And he tells the whole world, you must worship the Antichrist. Let's make an image and worship the Antichrist. And out of this image, he says, this image will, will be worshipped. You'll bow down or you'll die. And also, you'll take that mark of that image. And that mark of that image is 666. And the Bible goes on to say that whenever you don't take that mark of the beast and the number of the beast, that you can't buy or sell. 2,000 years ago, that was impossible. There's no way one man could control the whole world, could control the economy of the whole world. But as we're living in today, in 2023, what are we living in? We're starting to live in a cashless society where the government controls what's going on. Everybody in this room has got debit cards. You go to Walmart, you try to buy something, if the computers go down, you ain't buying nothing. And you get into where the world's going to be controlled through a cashless society. One world government, that's what the Bible says, is going to be a one world government, one, going, one world economic system, one world banking system, one world health organization. You getting it? We're seeing it all. It's all happening between our, before our very eyes. We found that out in Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 is what we've been studying now. That's when the seven vials start showing up. When, God's, when John sees these angels come out and they have the vials, uh, the bo basically a bowl, and they're pouring out the bowl, they're pouring out the wrath of Almighty God. Because we saw in Revelation 14, right before we saw the vials, we saw the battle of Armageddon. It said the, the wrath, the winepress of the wrath of God. And the Bible described it as God squeezing and stomping out people in his wrath and his anger. It's a God that people don't know. People who don't know their Bible, they don't know this God. They know God only as love, but God, our God is a God of love, but he's a God of judgment. He's a warrior God. He's a warrior king. And in chapter 15, 16, we've seen a mysterious Babylon religion show up. In Revelation chapter 17, we saw this religion called Mystery Babylon. We saw John seeing this whore riding a beast out in the wilderness. And the angel says, I'll tell you what that is. He said, that whore that's riding that beast is a religious system, and she sits on seven hills, and she's a city. And we studied that out, and it looks like the Roman Catholic system. It looks like the Pope might be, the Pope that we have today might be a false prophet, might be that false prophet that's going to lead people to worship the Antichrist. And we've seen in Revelation chapter 18, we've seen the fall of Babylon. We've seen where God 
took Babylon and threw it into the ocean, and Babylon was thrown down and destroyed before all the world as Babylon was trying to control the world, and that Babylon, that controlling that system, was thrown down and destroyed in Revelation chapter 18. In Revelation chapter 19, we're getting to the end. What do I mean? We're getting to where Jesus Christ is about to come back. And we've seen in Revelation 19 that there was a bride, and she had made herself ready, and that we found out to be the church of God. That's us. We're the bride of Christ. And we've seen that during this time, here's the 2,000 years of church history. And I, I talked about the rapture. We've been, church history has been going on for about 2,000 years. Time of Christ, the resurrection for 2,000 years. Right about 2,000 years this has been going on. And right before the Antichrist shows up, there'll be a rapture of the church. I just talked about it, Revelation chapter 4. And during that time, while all this is going on uh, that I talked about, the, the 666, those seven years of great tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period, the judgment seat of Christ takes place up in heaven. As we're raptured out, we're going through and going before Christ, and we're going to have to answer for what we've done in our body for Jesus Christ, whether it be good or bad. Now, you're still saved, amen. The Bible says you're saved, but you're going to either get crowns or lose all your rewards. And in Revelation 19, we've seen what it said, when the wife made herself ready... Then it said, but the spirit, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And we studied that. And what did that mean? We've seen that God all through the Old Testament said, you know how you, know, you, know how you got the right God? You know you got the right God? You know you got the right God because I tell you what's going to happen before it happens. And no other God does that. And that's the testimony of Jesus Christ. He tells you what's going to happen before it happens. Everything I'm telling you that's happening, you're seeing happen in the world today was written down 2,000 years ago. So we're picking that up in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Revelation chapter 19. And when I saw heaven open. So heaven's opening up, why? Because God, Jesus Christ, is about to come back. Heaven's opened up like a door. We see all through the Bible where heaven's opened up for John to be raptured out. Heaven's opened up for the rain to come down. Heaven's opened up for Jesus Christ to come back. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Exodus chapter 15, it says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. We forget that. That the Lord God is a man of war. And he's in righteousness he doth make judge and make war. So here's Jesus Christ coming back. And he's going to judge the world. And he's going to make war at the battle of Armageddon. It says, verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire. That's judgment. And on his head were many crowns. You know why his head has many crowns? Because he's a king of kings and lord of lords. In Revelation chapter 5 when that, uh, and 6, when that seal is opened up and that Antichrist comes out, it says he has a crown that was given unto him. Our Lord and Savior, he has a crown of crowns. He's a king of kings. He's a king of, he's a king of the kingdom of heaven and he's a king of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is a physical kingdom, and we're going to study that. It's a millennial kingdom. It's that kingdom that Jesus Christ is coming back to set up. That's the kingdom that Jesus Christ is the kingdom, but he's also the king of the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God is in each and one of you. He said the kingdom of God doesn't come by observation. It's in each and one of you. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. That's the kingdom of God. But there's two kingdoms. That's why he's a king of kings and lord of lords. And he had a name written, verse 12, that no man knew but he himself. We don't know what that is. Verse 13, and he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. 
Why is his vesture dipped in blood? Well, we studied that out, that he's going through the battle of Armageddon, and he's gonna, the blood of those people is going to be sprinkled up on him as he stomples through there on his white horse. The sin of Jesus that people know about. That's Isaiah chapter 63. We, I showed you that. We studied that together. I showed you that where Jesus Christ is coming in the wine press of the wrath of God. That's why that blood sprinkled up on him. Because he's gathered all the nations. There's a 200 million man army. And remember in Revelation chapter 9 when it described, in Revelation chapter 14 when it described that 200 million man army at the battle of Armageddon, when that battle takes place, the Bible says blood runs for 200 miles as thick and deep as the horse's bridle. That's how much blood is, 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 is spread out in there. How many people are killed? The bloodshed. That's the Lord your God coming back. And his name is called the Word of God. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, all right, let's study this out. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us. Amen. Amen. That's us. We're going to be following him. We're going to be coming back with him. As he comes back, he's leading an army, and that army is us, and that's the angels. We're coming back with him. Why are we coming back? We're coming back to give what belongs to Him. We gave it away. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, Adam took the crown of the earth and he gave it to the devil. And the devil's had it ever since. And the devil's run this world system ever since. Whenever the devil was tempting Jesus in Luke chapter 4, he's tempting Jesus, and the devil says to Jesus, See all these kingdoms? I'll give you all these kingdoms if you'll just bow down to me. Jesus didn't say, hey, you don't own all those kingdoms. He owns all those kingdoms. You know why the world's, why Washington's in the mess it's in? Because the devil runs this mess. Man, I hate to break it to you Christians. I, I know, God bless you, but you're not going to vote that stuff out. You're not going to vote it out. I'm, I'm not against voting, and I go vote too. But listen to me, don't get, don't get all upset and get your heart all pitter-pattery because the person you didn't want in there is not in there and everything. Just do something for Jesus Christ. The devil's going to put in there who he wants in there. And I'm here to tell you, some of those politicians that you love so much, if you got to know them, you probably wouldn't love them as much as you think. Amen? Some are, come on, guys. They're all crooks. Oh, good. I finally got some amens out of that. I'm in. Amen. All right. If you don't believe it, then you're not paying bills. You're not going to Walmart and buying your groceries. You're not going to. They're all, they're all out for your money. That's all they're out for your money. And the armies which are in heaven followed him. Verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. That sword is the word of God. And it's going out as he goes to smite the nations. Turn to Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah. Let's look at some of this stuff. I want to show you some of this stuff in Scripture. Turn to Isaiah chapter 13. Turn to Isaiah chapter 13. We go all the way to the Old Testament. This stuff's been prophesied for thousands of years, guys. Thousands and thousands of years, this stuff's been prophesied. This isn't something that God just come up with on a whim. He's had this stuff planned out. It's been, it's been ordained since the beginning of the world. That's how God has it planned out. And he's, his plan is coming to fruition. And we're living in the end times as his plan's coming to a close. And one of the greatest signs that you're living in at times is Israel becoming a nation again. In 1948, that should, wait, that should have woke everybody up. But it never does. I tell you what, let's go to Isaiah 13. Go to Isaiah 13, verse 4. Let me get my water. Isaiah 13, verse 4. 
We're coming back with Jesus. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait for him to come back and clean this mess up. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 4. Look at this prophecy. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people. There we are. Tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. There's a battle of Armageddon. They're gathering together down into the valley of Megiddo. The Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country. From the end of heaven, here we go, coming from heaven. Even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation, what, what to do? To, to hug people, to love on people, to destroy the whole land. That's why he's coming. How ye, look at verse 6, How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all his hands be faint. Every man's heart shall melt. See, that's how the Antichrist is going to fool so many people. He's going to show up as the Lord. He's going to show up as Jesus Christ. And he's going to show up and say, hey, let me love on you. Let me hug. And that's the first sign you should know that that's not the Lord. Because every time you see the Lord coming back in Scripture, he doesn't come back happy. He comes out mad and angry and here to destroy. Verse 7, therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Look, their faces shall be as flames, lighting up like candles. It's not like an atomic explosion or something going on. There's that, that fire, that fire of, of wrath of God. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, verse 9. Cruel, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger. There it is. There's no love found there. You, gotta, you need Jesus Christ today, not tomorrow. I'm, I'm warning you. If you're waiting for Jesus Christ to come back, or you go, I'll just wait till I die and then I'll stand before God and I'll, I'll do the best I can to answer for it. It'd be too late. Those sins are paid for right now. Your sins are paid for right now. You need the salvation right now. To lay the land desolate, verse, middle of verse 9, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. See, God's coming back. Jesus Christ come back to wipe this earth clean so he can rule and reign on it for a thousand years. And these sinners are over here, and they've took it over. Man, some of us are just living in la-la land. We're not living over in Atlanta. We had a brother there that just come back from Atlanta, and he come back, and he was giving me the testimony. He said, I just come from Atlanta. He goes, you wouldn't believe what I saw down there. You... you I, you could, you could imagine what I've seen going on down there. We're living in la-la land. We're living in God's country down here, amen? And some of us, we're taking advantage of it. We don't have an idea how the world's gone to hell already. It says there that verse, uh, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with his wrath, fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Verse 10, For the stars of heaven and this constellation thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. There won't be no more pride parades. And will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God's going to come clean this mess up. And you either can be on this side of Jesus Christ coming back, or you can be on the back side of Jesus Christ coming back, coming with him. You're either going to come with him or you're going to be in front of him. And you don't want to be in front of him. 
Look at Isaiah chapter 11. Turn back a couple of pages to Isaiah chapter 11. Look at verse 4. It said that he's going to slay them with the rod of his mouth. Back in Revelation, it says he's got that rod of his mouth, the sword of his mouth. Look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. But with the righteous shall he judge the poor. With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And look at the end of verse 4. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And look at this. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. As Jesus comes through that battle of Armageddon, as that 200 million man army gathers up against him, that same mouth that walked on this earth and said, Be ye healed, be ye healed, be you whole, be ye healed. That same mouth that's driving through on that white horse, he's saying, Die, die, die. And those people are going to die. Be laid out. He's going to look at that. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. See, Jesus just says the word and you're going to do it. You notice that sword is coming out of his mouth because that's the word of God. That's where it's coming out of. That word of God is coming out as he's slaying them. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay, slay the wicked. Look at, look at Psalms chapter 2. Turn to the left to Psalms chapter 2. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? I know this is some tough preaching, but we need to be ready. The Bible's teaching it to us. You need to be ready for it. Are you ready? Right now, you've got the love of God. Right now, see, we forget that Jesus Christ came first as a prophet. He came first as a suffering prophet. And all through the Bible, the what happens to the suffering prophet? It dies. And then when Jesus Christ died and resurrected, he came up into heaven, and now he's a high priest over us. After the order of Melchizedek, he's a high priest over us. Now he's a high priest, but there's coming a day, and it's coming real soon, where he'll be a king. He's a prophet, priest, and a king. Those are the three gifts they gave him. The wise men gave the little baby Jesus that represented a prophet, a priest, and a king. Frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Prophet, priest, and king. And he comes back. See, he came first as a lamb to die for the sins of the world. But he comes back the second time as a lion. As a king of the tribe of the David, of David of Judah. He's coming back as a king, as a lion. He came first as a lamb, now he's coming back as a lion. Look at Psalms chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage? Psalms chapter 2 verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That's a good question this morning. Why are people falling for everything they're seeing going on in the world? All the vanity. Solomon, who had all the money in the world, he had all the women in the world, he had all the, everything you can, all the goods you could have in the world. You know, what, you know what Solomon said at the end of his life? Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. It, all, it doesn't matter. We're all going to die. That's what he said. The richest man to ever live, he said, we're all going to die. What does it matter? Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together, look, against the Lord. And against his anointed, against Jesus Christ. The whole, everybody on the earth, all the kings, all the politicians in this world are against Jesus Christ. And this is what they say in verse 3. Let us break his, their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Let's get rid of Christianity. Let's get rid of the Christians. 
Let's get rid of them. I'm tired of Christianity. It's holding us back, all their morals and all their self-right. We don't want the Christians. We don't want the Christians. We don't want your views. We don't want your Bible. We don't want Jesus Christ. They're making fun of us, and they're laughing at us, and they don't want us. But look at verse 4. Here's what God thinks. And he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God's going to just, ha, <laughs> ha, oh, belly ache, just belly laugh at them. The Lord shall have them in derision. He goes, let me show you a thing or two. You know what the Bible says, the Lord says about himself in the Bible? You're serving a, you're serving a different God. This isn't the God you read about in any other religion. You know what the God, says, God says about himself in the Bible? He says, I'm the kind of God that will pay you back to your face. That scares me. He's, what he'll do, he'll slap you down on earth and then you'll wake up and he'll be right in your face. Why were you doing that? You know, didn't you think about that? Wow. Some of us Christians, you should wake up and say, I can't wait to see Jesus. And then you, you die and wake up and Jesus, why were you doing that? You know, I, wish, I wish I could have had a little bit more time to repent down there and get right with you. Amen. Verse 5, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That king will be Jesus. In Jerusalem I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Talking about the, talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ with Mary. Verse 8, Ask of me. And I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Jesus is going to rule this whole earth. Verse 9, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. No more foolishness. He's going to rule this world with a rod of iron, the Bible says. What does that mean? It doesn't matter if you voted for him. It don't matter. You say, well, I didn't vote for him. That's not who I want in office. You don't vote a king in. A king comes in and rules, and he says, You do this, or you're going to get my rod. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Look at verse 10. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. That's how we rejoice. We're rejoicing. We're happy. We can't wait for Jesus Christ to come back. But there's a little bit of trembling going on. Because you know, we know what's coming. You know why I tremble? Because i got some loved ones that aren't saved. It's easy for me to sit up here and talk about God's wrath and God's anger. But right now, I'm not preaching that when I get off this pulpit. Because when I get off this pulpit, I'm preaching the grace of God to lost sinners. Because it, 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 it makes me tremble to think I've got loved ones that are going to be in hell. See, this is just the beginning. That's what he's doing to the earth. And he's going to take these souls... Because once you die, your soul separates from your body. He's going to take those souls and going to put them in a burning hell. The Bible says it's an eternal hell. And it makes me tremble to think I've got loved ones, I've got co-workers, I've got friends that don't believe in Jesus Christ. And as much as I want to rejoice about Jesus Christ coming back, there's another part of me saying, man, I want these people to be saved. And I don't want them to go through this. Look at verse 12, and then we'll go back to Revelation and close up. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all, that, all they that put their trust in him. Have you put your trust in him? I like it. It says, kiss the son. Instead of kissing the Pope's hand, why don't you kiss the Christ's hand? Kiss them, put, put your hand in the nail-scarred hand. 
Instead of kissing the Pope's hand, we need to be kissing Christ's hand, Jesus' hand. All right, let's close up in Revelation 19. Let's finish all this up. Boy, this is a tough sermon. But it's all right there in the Bible. And we're going to start back up at verse 15. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. Man, uh, it's a day of wrath. It's a day of trembling. It's a day of Jesus Christ coming back. It's the day the King of kings and the Lord of lords roars out of, out of Jerusalem. Verse 15, And out of his mouth, talking about Jesus Christ, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And we read that about the breadth of his lips. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And we read that in Psalms chapter 2. And he, he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And I've already preached about that. And I've hinted around about it. And I'm not going to go into that. That's, just, that's a horrible, horrible description of what God is going to happen to these sinners when Jesus Christ comes back. Verse 16, He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Notice all that capital letters. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried, this angel cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls, all the buzzards, all the eagles that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. There's two suppers mentioned in Revelation 19. This supper at the battle of Armageddon where all the buzzards are going down eating all the dead bodies and then the marriage supper of the Lamb. When Christ marries his bride. You're going to be at one of the two. There's a good chance you're going to be at one of the two. Verse 18, what are they going to do that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. No matter how rich or poor you are, you're going to die then at that time if you're at the battle of Armageddon. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not raptured out of here. This is what's waiting for a lost sinner. Verse 19, at the battle of Armageddon. Verse 19, though, let's finish this up. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies, the beast being the Antichrist, gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, that Antichrist was taken, and with him the false prophet, there's a false prophet, that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that had worshipped his image. And they, these both, the false prophet and the Antichrist, were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. There's the end of the, there's the end. You just read the finality of the Antichrist and the false prophet. You see in where they're at the end, at the battle of Armageddon, they're took and they're thrown into a devil's hell, into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Verse 21, and the remnant were slain with the sword, the remnant of the battle of Armageddon were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, the breath of his lips. Which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, there's that breath of his lips, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Isn't anything pleasant about what I read, amen? Isn't anything re really pleasant about what I just read to you? But Jesus Christ is coming back. See, He's coming back twice. And I don't mean that... I'm, I say that in a sense that He's coming back in two different stages. The first time he comes back, he comes back to the air to rapture out his bride, the church. So we don't have to go through this right here. 
So everybody in this room that's a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you get raptured out, we go up into heaven, and we're up here at the judgment seat of Christ where all this is going on down on earth. And this red line right here is his second coming. That's Revelation 19 I just read to you. That's Jesus Christ coming back, and that's what we're reading, the battle of Armageddon and everything. And from here on out, it's, it's peace and prosperity like the world's never known. And we're gonna, I'm going to preach on that next. The millennial kingdom. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. But in, in, right in here is God getting rid of all. It's, it's judging the, the sins of the world right here in this seven-year period of the Antichrist and all of that. The world finally gets what they want. They get rid of all the Christians. We're raptured out. They get rid of uh, 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 all that. They got rid of us. They're done with us. All the do-gooders, all the Bible thumpers, we're gone. They don't have to worry about us anymore. And they get exactly what they voted for. We'll be up in heaven. There'll be a great marriage going on. They'll be shouting. They'll be hollering. There'll be tears of joy. They'll be hugging. If you like quiet places, you don't want to be in heaven right then. Amen? The Bible says they're shouting. And they're, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, praise the Lamb. But we're saved by the blood of the Lamb, it says they're singing. That's why we sing what we sing. They're saved by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, and we're having this great festival. But then across the way, we're going to see Jesus come out with all these crowns. And on his thighs going to be written the words, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And we're going to see this Jesus get up on a white horse and he's going to start mounting up. And you're going to hear all across heaven say, Mount up, mount up, let's go. We're going back. We're going back to the earth and get what belongs to us. I can't wait. As we get up and start mounting up and we're going back with Jesus. And for the first time, we're going to get to see Jesus and his power as a king of kings and lord of lords. For us, we know it. We've read about it. We've studied it. We tremble when we think about it, but the world doesn't know it's coming. See, the world still sees Jesus as a little baby laying in a manger. They don't know that King Jesus is coming. And that's why we're so diligent here at Indian Gap. And everybody in this room should be diligent. As, in this room, we should be good about giving out tracts and buying people to church, telling people about Jesus because we know the time is short. All the prophecies in the book have come true and are coming true before our very eyes. Man, you don't have any excuse. You're either going to believe or you're not going to believe. And I beg you this morning, as we close, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, come on down here and get saved. I want to be up in heaven with you. I don't want to be coming down on that horse and look down and see the terror in your eyes as you see Jesus Christ coming at you. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him